So I'm running on uh, three hours of sleep. Why? Because I had to drop Andrea off at the airport this morning. But the problem was I couldn't get to sleep earlier, even though oh. I was trying to. Oh. So it was like 1 a.m. before I actually fell, well, actually later than that probably, before I fell asleep. But I had to get up at like 4 a.m. What the fuck? To drop her off at the airport. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I um, I got home after doing that. I tried to go back to sleep. I just couldn't. That was really nice of you to do. So I, well, she's my she's my wife. I, I I have to do that. Well, yeah, it was still cool of you. I'm sorry you only got three hours of sleep. You said you're very caffeinated. I offered. Let the record show. I offered to push back recording time so Micah could take a little nappy nap, and Micah said no. So I don't want to hear I, any complaints. Because if I take a little nappy nap, I'm going to nappy nap for like six hours. Now you won't sleep tonight. Yeah. Ah, well. And I have to wake up early tomorrow because the uh, internet repair guy is going to come out because a tree limb fell and mostly ripped the wire out of the side of my house for the internet. Then how are we interneting right now? It is... I checked. The wire is barely still connected. Unnerving. Okay. (laughs) So I want to get it fixed. On the bright side, I got to send a message to my uh, employer yesterday being all like i can't work monday my internet got ripped out of my house sorry sorry nothing i can do oh which I is can still podcast be- though actually yeah definitely still podcast uh, <laughs> i still have a a dentist appointment also on monday i've got to do so it's not like monday was going to be a slow day for me i've got the internet repair in the morning and then i've got the dentist lame very lame dentist is good but lame yeah but uh, Andre's going to be out of town till like, Thursday night. The work trip? The work trip, yeah. That'll be fun. Yeah, I'm still I'm still a little bit anxious about it because um, I don't know if you've been keeping up with the news. Boeing Airlines keep having their doors fall off. On God? Yes. Is she, um, is she flying in a Boeing? On a Boeing plane? More than likely, yes. Oh. Hey, why are they, why are the planes doing that? Uh, because they fired their quality control department like three years ago. And since what? then, there's been a, a steep increase in uh, quality issues. That is a real... That's that's maybe the one department you probably shouldn't get rid of if you want to stay in business. Yeah, but, you know, short-sighted capitalism. Wow. Yeah. Doors falling off. Doors falling off. Yowzers. Like, actually, let me do a quick search. Boeing door incident. Uh, the most recent one was three weeks ago. Mm. It was Alaskan Airlines and the door just kind of blew off while they were in midair. What do you even fucking do then? Uh, stay in your seat and put the oxygen mask over your face and pray like hell wow. that, you know, there isn't any other issues that cause the plane to drop out of the sky. Wow. Uh-oh. I don't care for that. I don't care yeah, for don't- that. I think that I maybe that if they're putting people in a in a bus high up in the air, they should probably make it so the bus doesn't break apart while you're in the air. Yeah, maybe you that's think. a controversial, really commy take. But I think that it maybe the be. sky the sky bus should not break down while you're in the air. Hot take. It's gender swap. Welcome to Gender Swap, a podcast by two transgender siblings, uh, one of whom is feeling punch drunk. 
because of lack of sleep, and is going to just roll with this. So this might be a spicier-than-usual episode, a little Yay. more loosey-goosey, almost like our bonus episodes. So think of this as, a, as, as, as an enticement to go to our Patreon and sign up for that. But anyway, the other one is wondering what I'm going to do to introduce him. My name I'm is- one of your hosts. My name is Micah. My pronouns are they, them. My name is Stevie. I use he, they pronouns. You can't interrupt the freaking introduction to do a Patreon plug. That's rude. Let them at least get a taste of the content first. Don't be greedy. I'm not being greedy. Just let them know (laughs) that there's like more episodes they could listen to, like twice as many on our Patreon for a scant $3 per month, or even $10 a month if you're feeling really cool and you want us to read your name at the end of the episode. I went to a burlesque show for the first time last night. It was awesome. Oh, hell yeah. It was, was it at a unnamed local gay bar? Correct. The, the one that's near my house? Yes. Cool. It was awesome. Somebody did a little a little performance to the Spanish Inquisition song. <laughs> Rule. That's it was fun. great. It hold on, I have to send you my little outfit because I dressed very goth. It was really delightful. Everybody there was also very goth. Uh it was epic. I was a huge fan. Look at my fancy little outfit. The fishnet shirt that I'm wearing is actually a pair of fishnet tights that have um, a couple holes in them, so I couldn't wear them as tights. So instead, I put my arms through the the feet holes. I just chopped off the feet, and then I ripped a hole in the crotch, and that's where my head went. Bitch, it fits like a shirt now. It's awesome. And so I just put it underneath my black button down and wore a bunch of jewelry. It was great. And I had a green that tea shot awesome. for the first time, and it was delicious. Fun. I have never had a shot that was so delicious. Fun. It was like a tiny little mixed drink. Yummy. So that was my evening. So I went to sleep at like 3 a.m. I got home quite. Oh, I, I gotcha. Uh, I, I got home at like 2 or 2.30 in the morning. But I did get to sleep in for the most part. I'm feeling quite good because I had such a fun night. Good. I'm glad you had a fun night. It's, it's good to get out there and uh, enjoy the nightlife now and then. I um I don't do that so much anymore because I can't really drink because every time I drink, my guts go sideways. That's really sad. I'm sorry. It sucks. Uh, Andrea and I went to a restaurant uh, a few nights ago, and I ordered a cider, and it de- fucking destroyed me. A single cider. A single cider. I had the explosive shits. That's really like, upsetting. Four or five hours later. That's fucked up. Your body's yeah. kind of fucked up, Micah. I'm sorry. It's called middle age. Mm. You get I to didn't... look forward to it, too. I didn't really drink much while I was there. I only had that single shot because I'd smoked beforehand and then we just got like a lift there um, because drinking makes my body hurt now, which does make me feel like I'm I'm turning 24 this year. Drinking already makes my body hurt. Yeah, it'll do that. That sucks. (laughs) It sucks. But I did try a strain called Nuclear Warhead beforehand and bitch, it sure was. (laughs) Nuclear uh, you indeed. Know, you know the song Gay Bar by Electric Six? No. Uh, I've shown it to you. Hold on. It sounds familiar, so maybe you have. All right, I'm going to share my screen. You'll totally recognize it when I show it to you. Okay. Like, I promise. You promise? <laughs> promise. I'm really glad that rubbed off on you. Okay, I can see it. Yes, you have shown me this. Yeah. Yes, okay, that's, yes. that's you, you get the idea. You it's very good. 
something that annoys the shit out of me. Okay. It has a verse that's let's start a war. Da 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 da. We'll start a nuclear war. Da 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 da. We'll start a nuclear war. Da 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 da. At the gay bar, the gay bar, the gay bar. It's such a good song. However, in the post 9/11 world that this song came out in, they chose to edit out the words nuclear war. What, did they replace it with anything or just... No, it's just blank. We'll start a... At the gay bar. <laughs> gay yes. Bar. That's stupid. That's yeah. dumb. It's incredibly dumb. But, uh, no, I fucking love that song. Uh, but anyway, so you mentioned the, sh- the, the nuclear whatever strain that you had, and it reminded me of... The gay bar. The gay bar, obviously. Yeah. There were a so lot of gods talk- and furries there. It was great. Oh, yeah. I was, like, seeing people in, like, ears across the crowd, and I was like, wow, in the wild, their natural habitat. This is beautiful. (laughs) Nature is wonderful. (laughs) Nature is wonderful. So you know what time it is? What time is it, Micah? It's early in the episode, so here comes the news. Our first headline, we don't fucking have one we're not doing the news this episode i tried to research good news articles for you people and what do i find literally a dozen articles about a dozen different mass shootings yeah and at that point i'm like it's no this is a sign it's wrong i'm not it's horrible i'm gonna skip the news this week and i know a lot of you actually do listen to our podcast for the news you've left comments about how you like the news segments because it's a good like information that we give you, but um, I'm sorry, not this week. Right. Yeah, I'm tired as hell. The bandwidth pre- is 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 not there. It really isn't. So we we are we are not going to do the news this week. So this really is a sneak peek Patreon episode because we don't it do really, news on Patreon weeks either. This is true. So if See. you like this episode, how loosey goosey it's going to be. Uh, again, go to the Patreon. It's only $3 per month. Lots of episodes you can listen to. If you enjoy the free episodes, I promise you will enjoy the Patreon episodes. No rules, just right gender swap. So what are we supposed to do then? Stare at each other, twiddle our thumbs? Uh, you know, we could, except that doesn't make for very good audio content. Twiddle them loud. Twiddle them as loud as we can. I'm not even seeing anything on the fucking sound wave. So instead... I'm going to launch into our first segment. Okay. Which is a continuation Mm -hmm. of a segment we did on the Patreon episode last week. Oh, shit. Yeah. That again, if you have the Patreon set up for it, you you can listen to the first half of this. But say you're only going to get the back half of this. Sorry. Go to the Patreon. It's like the it's like the two guys in the horse costume. You get the butt half. Sorry. Not even the good half. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. This is good. This is a uh, take you to church. Yay. Hey, you want to hear something kind of annoying? Of course. Our Patreon episode worked out to be 94 minutes long. That's pretty long. Pretty long. I finished editing it and then realized I forgot to put in the drop. For taking you to church. Sad. So perturbed. You weren't kidding about hitting a wall with that edit, huh? It was a long one to edit. It was a long one. We had over two hours of uh, material. What were we doing? <laughs> what were we fucking doing that whole we time? Just kept, we just kept talking. We just kept yapping. <laughs> exactly. 
So anyway, this uh, Take You to Church segment, I want to talk about gods of hedonism. Yay! Oh my god. See, I have a shit memory, so I totally forgot what we were talking about last week. So I was like, I can't wait to find out what we talked about last week. So I'm going to start us off with probably the most famous god of hedonism, Dionysus. I was waiting on that last week. The Greek god Dionysus, or Bacchus, was the son of Zeus and the god of the vine. By the way, this is coming from HowStuffWorks.com, which again, doesn't really have much to do with how stuff actually works. I guess they're branching out their content mill. There's only so much stuff to explain how it works. There's so much stuff that exists, though, that works somehow. You'd think that they have, like, an endless supply of content. Oh, come on. They're explaining how the pantheons work. That's stuff. Gods? That's stuff. Fair, loosely. Gods is stuff, when you get right down to it. Dionysus. He spent a good deal of time wandering around the Middle East and the Mediterranean, battling with some mortals, teaching others to cultivate and worship the gods. In all cases, he traveled with a party entourage of women, satyrs, and his friend Pan, the god of shepherds and flocks, as they held festivals of wine and revelry. Oh. Fun fact about the god Pan. Satyr god seems to get real nasty on it. Constantly depicted with a raging boner. Good for him. The parties that Dionysus I don't think it was the first furry. Okay, probably not the first. No, people have been mashing people and animals together for quite a long time. Yeah, and you got you got to remember, we only know about 1% of human history. 1%? You have all the prehistory stuff that's not written down, and all the gods that they worshipped, which were probably a lot of, like, human-animal <sighs> mashups. 1%! And we know so much already. There's so much more we don't know. Ah, uh, if only they had had clay and stone tablets and iPods to write things down on. Uh, the idea was that Dionysus was capable of bringing humans into a state of ecstasy and later his worship provided the same. Perma-orgasm, while it, baby. While it appears odd, or at the very least fun, compared to the worship of other gods across the pantheons, the revelers' drunken orgiastic worship of Dionysus followed the same structure that other worship does. Did By partake Sorry, the Maenads. Those were like Dionysus's people, right? They were like party nymphs, basically, who would like kind of party so hard that they tore you limb from limb. I don't know, probably. Well, those are there. BT dubs. Isn't that fucked up? <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to have a blood orgy. Ah, uh, well, comes with the territory. Comes with the territory. By partaking of the gods' gifts to his followers, the Dionysian cults received a bit of his immortality by proxy. A bit? A bit. So not like full-on immortality, but maybe you get a few extra years. That's stupid. That's not immortality, then. That's just extra life. Words mean things. Hey, I'm just reading off of HowStuffWorks.com. Do, so, uh, do you think the harder you party, the more immortal you get? No, I, I think actually partying hard takes years off your life. I mean in Dionysus terms. Like oh, Dionysus you, terms? Like, uh, if you fucking drink enough, eventually he's like, you might as well be a god at this point. You could party like the heavens. See, the thing is, cirrhosis of the liver exists, <laughs> and I don't think... Not if Dionysus is on your side. If you're drinking that bad shit, the, like, bottom shelf shit, yeah, he'll let you die badly. But if you're drinking that good shit, yeah, why not? Yeah, but who can afford to drink the good shit? It's expensive. That's well, why again, it's the good shit. If you're if you're fucking and drinking and nothing enough, Dionysus. Will, I'm assuming at some point. Okay, do you think Dionysus has like ass alcohol at his parties? If you can get an invite, I think you're good. I think he serves PBR. <laughs> Sucks. 
God, beer is not good. Why does anybody drink it? Beer is good. There is good beer. I enjoy beer, but beer does not enjoy me. That's the problem. Show me a good show me a good a good beer. Show me Micah, give me good beer, please. Because I think it would be very affirming gender wise to be a beer guy. But unfortunately, I like my fruity little green tea shots because they're delicious. They're just a delicious fruity little alcoholic drink. Well, the easiest one off the top of my head is Guinness. Guinness is good. Mm, I think the then last... Yeah, Boddington's. Boddington's is also really good. I drink a lot of um, Yangling whenever I first moved out because that's what my roommates always had. Yangling is nice and cheap, and I drink a lot of Yangling too. That's why we had but, it. <laughs> but then 2016 rolled around. What happened in 2016 with Yangling? I'm assuming something bad based on the year. The guy who owns the Yangling factories sent a shit ton of money to Trump. Yeah, I probably honestly would have guessed that. Well, that sucks. Yeah, so after that, I was like, you know, fuck Yingling. Yeah, fuck these guys. Which is annoying because I really enjoyed their black and tans. That sounds like a cigarette type. You're thinking of black and milds, which are a cigarette type. Oh, my God. Why can't we get more interesting names? Like the bread potion or something cool like that. Uh, there's the Imperial Milk Stout. That's pretty good. That's a good name. I did have a... Uh, I want to say a beer called like Dragon's Milk or something at local dive bar a while back and it was delicious and I cannot recall if it was a cider or a beer come to think of it I think it was a cider the most refreshing beer I ever had was a pickle sizer a what pickle sizer was that What's it a tastes sizer? like it tasted like pickle juice you're just making shit up now no I'm not it was so good it was refreshing as fuck. I will admit, there is something about a savory cocktail that scratches my brain in a good way. I had a Bloody Mary at local Cuban restaurant. Uh, aren't, those, aren't they great? I already liked V8. <laughs> like, would actively choose to drink it at a point in my life where I was very depressed and I was like, I have got to get a fucking vegetable in me. And it worked. <laughs> it's tomato soup in a can. It's just easier to drink tomato soup and it was delicious bloody mary same thing but it also gets you fucked up however why was it a little spicy bloody marys are always spicy they got tabasco in them what the fuck <laughs> i didn't know that part <laughs> yeah they're good that was the only part i didn't like i did also try a martini uh like last month olive juice plus alcohol that's crazy good isn't it also good. However, the olives that were in it were stuffed with like blue cheese. Oh, that's which, a good combination. It the like the olives I think were independently good, but in the drink, it made my drink a little cloudy in a way where I was like, I don't know about cheese plus alcohol in the same cup right now. Yeah, that's not that's not the best. By the way, mm. speaking of uh beer. Okay. Ninkazi, the Sumerian goddess of beer. Yo, that's awesome. Anthropologists believe that humans stumbled upon alcoholic beverages by accident. Yeah. Perhaps a piece of fruit that had fermented when it was eaten, or a bit of grain had grown soggy and begun producing alcoholic sugars. That rules. By some incredible stroke, we stumbled upon liquor, and even more amazing, we figured out how to make our own. That's so cool. As far as Sumerian civilization was concerned, they had help in the form of inspiration from Ninkazi, the goddess of beer. The Sumerians weren't necessarily the first to make beer. 9,000-year-old shards of pottery from China show traces of it. Hmm. So we've been drinking beer for, like, almost 10,000 years. Good for us. As soon as they learned to think, people started to party. 
<laughs> look, that's the way it's always been. Good. People literally are like, you just, know what? Unfiltered reality kind of sucks. Let's get crunk. Just chasing endorphins from the very start. What else are you going to fucking do other than religion? And then they were like, well, let's do religion plus beer. Beer religion. Fuck yeah. Why not? Well, here's the thing. The Sumerians, as I mentioned, were among the Mesopotamian groups to devise a system of writing. And one of the first things they wrote was a hymn to Ninkazi. Yes! Beer God. We love the beer God. That's great. That's awesome. They're like, do not forget to record this absolute banger. We need to keep it for later. That's great. This 3,800-year-old hymn, an ode to the goddess's gift, includes a recipe for making beer woven into its prose. Let's fucking go! That is awesome! Fucking potion ingredients in your worship songs. Church would be so much fucking cooler if we put recipes for awesome shit in the songs. <laughs> Ninkazi also used her talents for the other gods, serving as head brewer to the Sumerian pantheon. Our god is an awesome god. He reigns. Dehydrate the weed for half an hour. Bake that shit in brownies. Awesome god. That's great. <laughs> Okay, the next, the next, uh, the next god. Yeah. Uh, we have Shiva. Shiva, that sounds familiar. The many-armed Hindu destroyer god. This is a god of hedonism? Although having blue skin, more than one pair of arms, and a bent for dancing on corpses while surrounded by fire, yeah. Shiva as a concept isn't necessarily all that fearsome. In much of Hindu tradition, he figures as the supreme being in the pantheon of gods, the destroyer who takes us from this life to the next and all the ones that follow. Shiva is associated with the marijuana plant. Really? In fact, he is considered to be a fan of the intoxicant. Hell yeah. As a result, his devotees like to smoke a lot of pot and hashish on Shiva's holiest days. Hell yeah. In Nepal, Shiva is honored in such a way on Mahashivara. Mahashi Vararati. One more go. Mahashi Vararachari. One more I go. Probably, Mahashi Vararachari. I probably am getting this wrong. There are way too many syllables. I can't do it. I'm running on very little sleep. Anyway, Should it's Shiva's big festival. Without rules. At the large temple in the capital city of Kathmandu, pilgrims assemble to honor Shiva that night. And there's plenty of people selling marijuana and hashish on hand to accommodate the followers. Ah, that rules. Although Westerners consider it a drug, the the Nepalese consider pot a sacrament. Hell yeah. Prasad, holy food. Oh, like communion doesn't involve wine. That's so corny. We're like, yeah, but Christians get in on that whole be not drunk with excess, but instead be filled with the spirit. Blah, 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 blah. Boring. (laughs) (laughs) on that day one can possess and consume the drug legally pot sales are prohibited outside of the temple although its use enjoys protection by the law within the temple that's fascinating as long as you do it inside the house i'm okay with it (laughs) you're making faces what you making what you squinting at okay that's why the name looks familiar hail selassie the first while his rule is approached with ambivalence by millions of Ethiopians, 
Emperor Haile Selassie I, who ruled the country from 1930 to 1974, is considered by some followers as the second coming of the Messiah. Hmm. His given name, Rastafari, oh. might ring a bell. Yeah. Selassie's rule was focused on a policy of educating his people, bringing Ethiopia in line with the powerful nations of Europe, and distributing land and wealth to his poverty-stricken population. Hell yeah. He is also credited with creating Zion in Ethiopia, a paradise on Earth that served as a fabled homeland for the Back to Africa movement established by Marcus Garvey in the early 20th century. Interesting. Indeed, when Garvey told his followers to look for a redeemer crowned as a black king, a number of black observers, including Garvey's prophecy, had been fulfilled and established Rastafarianism, a black nationalistic religion. Interesting. The religion was more pronounced in Jamaica, whose followers, which followers considered their captivating temporary land. Although his spirit was frequently channeled by his followers through their use of marijuana, it's not clear that Selassie ever used the drug, and he was known to abstain from drinking throughout his life. Interesting. So people who, like, believe in that partake, but it's unclear if he actually did. Yes. Interesting. The deer person. <laughs> okay, yeah. A Huachul creator god. Hell yeah. Deer person. The Huachul people of northern Mexico may have given rise to the use of the hallucinogenic peyote cactus as a sacrament. Oh, I know about peyote. Caves where people lived as long ago as 5000 BC Damn. have been found to contain peyote buttons from that era. Damn. The Huachul believe that their creator god, the deer person, sacrificed himself and became earthbound in the form of peyote. By ingesting the cactus, which is thought to be the heart, soul, and memory of the creator, they can come to know his wisdom. Hmm. The tradition of eating the heart of, a deer, of the deer person creator comes after a hunting expedition is mounted and the peyote is shot with arrows and considered felled. Oh. So they go out, they shoot the cactus with a bunch of arrows... Harvested. God is ass. God is ass. <laughs> After the Spanish came to the Americas and encountered peyote use, the practice was outlawed. The <sighs> practitioners were tortured and killed. Oh my you know god. Why? Because colonialism is bullshit and purely a tool of oppression. One hundred percent. Literally any any fucking cool or chill thing that people who weren't white were doing, white people were like, oh, we hate that shit. We hate when you guys do something interesting or have a fun time at all. We're going to cause problems. Get out of the house. What are you doing here? <laughs> what are you fucking doing here? God. It wasn't until 1918 that Peyotists descended from the Huachul and other tribes formed the officially recognized Native American church and came to enjoy protection of their religious beliefs. Okay. So, yeah, that is a bunch of hedonistic gods. This feels very thematic based on the evening I had last night. That was awesome. Good. I'm glad, I'm glad that it tied in. It did. Uh, the next two segments are not thematic. Okay, that's okay. They have... Oh, hold on. Mm-hmm. Andrea just texted me. What was texted? Hey, let me know if you get this. Oh, maybe just so, testing if she has connection? Yeah. So I'm texting back, hey, I got it. Yay. And a little animated gift that says, howdy. Howdy. <laughs> Love millennials. 
Don't be disparaging. I said I love millennials. I felt like it was a little bit disparaging. That says more about you than it does about me. Fair enough. (laughs) Earlier, since I couldn't get to sleep, Mm -hmm. guess what I did? What did you do? Did you read manga or some... some, some... Fucking damn right I read a bunch of manga. Yeah. Yeah, tracks. And one of the manga I read was called The Death Mage. Cool name. Cool title. Which is about a guy who had a shitty life here on Earth. Okay. And died. Okay. Was reincarnated in another world with an ultra that had an ultra shitty life there, but gained magical powers while he was there. Oh. And died. Oh. Meets the reincarnation god for like a third time, and he's like, "Okay, I'm gonna give you a curse, so which is gonna make your next life suck even more. But I promise, on your fourth life, it'll be better." That is so fucked. That is so yeah, fucked. The reincarnation god in the storyline is a dick. Damn. But. The guy decided, fuck you, I'm going to stick with this third life as best I can and try to make it work. And he was, But he was reincarnated as a Dampir. What is that? Well, this is the Monster Zone. Oh, shit. It's the Monster Zone. Monster Zone. So the Dampir... To Critter? Is half vampire, half human. Oh, this fucker does not stand a chance. What do you mean? In the manga? Oh, he does stand a chance. <laughs> he does quite well for himself. Don't worry about him. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, it's long. There's like 48 chapters I've read of it. Oh, he'll be uh, fine. He'll <laughs> be fine. Dampiers have all the powers of a vampire. Okay. None of the weaknesses. Okay. That's, yeah. So they can go in the sun, they can eat garlic, they can deal with silver, they can be Christians. Yes. Do they have any weaknesses at all? Not really. Why don't we... I feel like they're, like, better vampires than... Well, you know who the most famous Dampier is? No. Blade. From the Blade movies. You know I haven't seen those. God damn it, you really need to watch Blade. The first Blade movie is a fucking masterpiece. It starts off... Let me add that to with, watch list. It starts off with this guy going to this dark alley with a chick... And okay. she's all like, oh, blah, 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 we're going we're gonna to go to a party. And the guy's like, yeah, we're going to go to a party. So she takes him to like this warehouse area where a secret rave is happening. And secret the guy's like, okay, rave. cool, a rave. And then the girl kind of disappears in the crowd, leaving him by himself. Oh. And he looks around. He's like, yeah, this is a fun rave. This is great. When he feels <gasps> something drip on him. Oh, no. Is it her? And he looks at his hand and it's blood. Is it he's her like, blood? What? And he's like, what the fuck? And then all of a sudden, sprinklers from the... St- above the crowd starts spraying blood onto the crowd and it turns out the crowd is nothing but vampires oh shit it's a fucking blood rave wow it is the best opening for a movie ever and the music for it fucking rules that rocks I shouted it to my watch list that looks crazy that looks fucking crazy you should definitely watch that movie it's extremely good so Blade uh, is a half vampire killing full vampires Yes. It also, Blade is the first R-rated superhero movie. Really? Yes. Huh. That's very cool. Also, there's something I really, really enjoy thematically about a vampire who is partially human, but rather than that being a weakness, it is a strength. Like, it, it, it takes away the vampiric weaknesses rather than taking away the vampiric strengths. That's quite interesting. Yeah, another famous vampire, uh, Dampier, is uh, Vampire Hunter D., that means nothing to me. 
It was an anime. It's famous as shit. Micah I loves saw- to go, ooh, everybody knows this title. Ooh, this is so famous. Says something no one's ever fucking heard of. No, I said something that in hindsight... Makes, makes a reference makes a reference 10 years out of date for me. <laughs> well, Vampire Hunter D came out in like the 80s. So it's like... Right. <laughs> so it's like It's like really famous years. and everybody knows it. I was born one year before 9-11, Micah. I don't know what Vampire Hunter D is. It's it's great. And the sequel is also great. But anyway, Don Piers. Don Piers. Very cool. This is from VampireFacts.net. I trust them wholeheartedly. I do too. I surely do. <laughs> they don't actually uh, link their sources. Well, it's coming from tr- Vampire... What? VampireFacts.net? It's coming from VampireFacts.net. So really, I feel like they're what an more, authority. Yeah, what more reliable source do you need? Exactly. So the rich folklore of the Slavic people that live in the Balkans who introduced the world to the modern version of the vampire, popularized with the life and impact of famous Count Dracula in Transylvania, and the Serbian myth of vampire, blood-sucking spirit that lives in dead bodies, it is also home to another vampiric creature called the Dampir. Mm -hmm. According to the belief of Slavic people, especially those from Serbia, during the first 40 days after a person dies, there's a chance that if the burial and mourning ceremonies are not adequate, that an evil or sometimes good spirit will enter the body and reanimate it and return it to living where it would cause revenge, destruction, and death. That's fucked. If you fuck up the burial, you'll know in a month. That's so spooky. One of the common occurrences in such a situation is that the male vampire will return to his living wife and have intercourse, which leads to giving birth of dampiers who are half human, half vampire children who have all the vampire advantages, supernatural powers, enhanced senses, but none of the weaknesses. Oh shit, she's like, this is crazy. My husband is back with crazy good stamina. Let's fucking go, bitch. What the hell? <laughs> Damn. So, no problem with sunlight, no problem with garlic, no problem with mirrors, and no Dang. problem with holy objects. Dang. Also, there are tales in Bulgarian folklore of vampires searching out virgin girls and conceiving children with them, but that those occurrences are rare. Hmm. This sexual aspect of vampires is mostly present in South Slavic cultures, even though some Be- Belarus legends have similar incidences. Interesting. Various Slavic cultures describe the visual look of dampiers in different ways. Serbian legends describe them as energetic kids that have untamed dark or black hair and cast no shadow. That's so spooky. Bulgarian legends speak of them as being filthy, sometimes <laughs> with a large nose, eyes of ears, and presence of a small tail. That feels mean. Most agree that such a child, born from a human mother and evil spirit, can be born without bones and what? be very fragile and short-lived. Oh my god. <laughs> they forgot to give the fucker bones. Because of their unique abilities that they gained from their vampiric father, folklore tales usually depict vampires as hunters or warriors that can spot vampires and fight them successfully. The daddy issues. Because of their warrior-like nature, Dampiers and other half-vampire variations have appeared in numerous works of fiction over the last century. In accordance to ancient legends, they are often depicted as strong, 
lonely, and secretive individuals that sometimes fight their inner demons and try to hold on to their humanity without being destroyed by vampiric influences. Mm. Some of the most uh, best-known vampires in modern culture and film are Blade, (laughs) which I just showed you. Man of the hour. (laughs) Connor from the TV show Angel. D from Japanese manga and anime Vampire Hunter D. Ah. Rain from the Blood Rain franchise in video games. And Alucard from the Castlevania franchise of video games. Oh. And Saya from Blood the Last Vampire. I thought Alucard was just regular vampire. Nope. Cool. In some versions he is, but yeah. Why do all vampires in media have names like that? Alucard, Lestat. There's, there's actually, uh, Alucard is Dracula backwards, and there's actually oh. this... There's actually a scene that ties back into Vampire Legends that they like to do is use anagrams of their of their names oh, as aliases. That's fun. I like you know that they're into do? codes. What? Make our own vampire names? No, we should revisit vampires on the Monster Zone because we haven't talked about them in years. Yeah, that is true. It's been quite a fucking minute. And if I remember correctly, our original source for vampire information was uh, Spirit Halloween's website. Oh my god, was it really? That's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> so it might not have been the most accurate uh, representation of vampire lore. Spirit Halloween is like, and did you know that all vampires look exactly like the costume we have on sale for twenty nine ninety nine? So... Yeah, maybe we should... Yeah, maybe we should revisit it. I don't know. I... Uh, if we do, maybe idea. maybe if we do, maybe I'll put it on the Patreon. Okay. So those of you that actually uh, go to patreon.com and look up Gender Swap Podcast and sign up for $3 per month can get that episode. I'm going to plug this shit like crazy because we have a lot of really good episodes and I'm tired of people not listening to them. We have a lot of really good episodes and I do like getting credit for them. Yeah. I like do. We've got, we've, we've got a lot of really good Patreon listeners and they love all of our stuff. And I feel like more people should should we could, should yeah we can have even more we can yeah. have even more yeah it's like half the half the price of a of a boba tea. What can you buy for three dollars these days? Not much. Um, I think you can buy a full size candy bar for three dollars now. Jesus, that's expensive. Back in my day, they were less than a buck. Really expensive. That sucks so bad. That sucks really bad. Uh, it does. Uh, no, I think a gallon of milk is more than three dollars. <laughs> I'm positive a gallon of milk is more than three dollars. Fuck us! You don't stand a chance. You don't stand a fucking chance. If you have the three dollars to spare in these hard, hard times, God, three dollars for a gallon of milk. Apparently, they don't tax that though, which is interesting. I learned that at work. Milk and bread, and I think like one other thing, is like foods they don't tax because they're like, well, you'll die without those. Sure, we'd probably die without healthcare too, but nobody really cared about that. Oh, people Sorry. definitely die without healthcare all the time. Oops, but anarcho-communism. But you know what happens whenever uh, the government takes care of people's healthcare needs? They have enough they energy live to revolutionize. longer, more healthy, and productive lives, and the economy gets better, <laughs> and everybody's quality of life gets better, and we can't have that. No, that'd be dog shit. If you if you let people be healthy and like energetic enough, they'll start having like thoughts in their brain about the government being bad. But if the government took care of healthcare, people wouldn't think it was as bad. Hey, also a good point. Wow, we just live in a nonsensical world. 
We really do. Do you know it costs way more money to build uh, hostile architecture and whatnot than it to would to house homeless, homeless people, people? Than it would to house homeless people? Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. But if you take care of the the homeless quote unquote problem, then they don't exist as a threat for the working class anymore. Mm hmm. Like this could be you. Funny how mm. that works out. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's been a uh, monster corner or the monster zone rather. The fuck is wrong with you? I don't look. Three hours of sleep. Did I okay. mention that? All right. Okay. Excuses. <laughs> you, you goddamn right. It's an excuse. <laughs> Speaking of excuses. Yeah. I don't have a segue for that. Uh, <laughs> I was wondering. Ah, uh, fuck it. Uh, let's go to uh, Dinosaur Corner. Dinosaur Corner. Raw. Dinosaur Corner. Raw. So I was thinking to myself, uh, it's been a while. Okay. Since we went to that good old well of thoughtco.com. True. Yeah, it's been a while. And they've got great dinosaur facts at thoughtco.com. Very reliable so far. It has been. Which is why... I want to talk about the Titanosaurus. That's such a good name. That name just means big fucking guy. That's such a good name. The Titanosaurus, which is Greek for Titan lizard. Big fucking lizard. That's so good. That's so good. Its habitat was the woodlands of Asia, Europe, and Africa. The woodlands. It lived in the late Cretaceous period. Okay. It was about 50 feet long okay. and weighed 15 tons. 15 tons? Yes. Big fucking lizard. It ate plants. I mean, it was we also probably would have uh, been... It was a sauropod, which is the, like the long-necked dinosaur. We would have been real fucked if they ate meat, so... It has uh, short, thick legs, a massive trunk, and rows of bony plates on the back. Oh, okay, okay. I'm starting to put together a mental image. The Titanosaurus were the last sauropods to roam the Earth before the KT extinction event 65 million years ago. Dang. Okay. What's odd is that although paleontologists have discovered plenty of Titanosaurs, they're not sure about the status of the Titanosaur. Hmm. This dinosaur is known from a very limited fossil remains, and to date, no one has located its skull. What the fuck? You just can't find it? This seems to be a trend in the dinosaur world. For, for example, hadrosaurs are named after the extremely obscure hadrosaurus, and the aquatic reptiles known as pliosaurs are named after the equally murky pliosaurus. The titanosaurus was discovered very early in dinosaur history, identified in 1877 by paleontologist Richard Lydekker on the basis of scattered bones unearthed in India. Are we sure? Are we sure that this is like a totally new guy, not just like a big version of a different guy? Because I keep imagining that in like a really, really long time, they're gonna find like adult human skeletons and child human skeletons and be like, these are way too different. These are not the same guys. It's funny you should mention that. Oh, because over the next few decades, Titanosaurus became a wastebasket taxon. Mm. Meaning that any dinosaur that even remotely resembled it wound up being assigned as a separate species of titanosaur. I knew it. Today, all but one of these species have either been downgraded or promoted to genus status. Mm. For example, T. colberetti is now known as Isosaurus, T. astralis is known as Nuquinosaurus, and hmm. T. docus is known as Magiosaurus. 
So we just kind of renamed them all as we learned more. The one remaining valid species of Titanosaurus, which still remains on sh very shaky ground, is T. indicus. Indica? Indicouch. <laughs> Lately, Titanosaurus, but not Titanosaurus, have been generating headlines as the bigger and bigger specimens have been discovered in South America. The largest dinosaur yet known is a South American Titanosaur, the Argentinosaurus, but the recent but the recent announcement of the evocatively named Dreadnoughtus. Oh, that's so good. May imperil its place in the history books. Oh shit. There are also a few as of yet unidentified Titanosaur specimens that may have been even bigger, but we can only know pending further study. That's fucked. Nose to the grindstone, paleontologists. I would like to know more about this big old guy. That is all the information thoughtco.com has about them. Wow, that's pretty obscure. Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. I feel kind of like this yeah. might not be a real guy. I think it's just misidentified other guys. You think it's misidentified? It, it could be. It could be. We don't know. That's my theory. But until we find more, we pieces. won't know. We just got to keep digging. Yeah. That's awesome. What always gets me mm -hmm. is whenever they find like three or four bones and they're like, oh yeah, this one looks like this. And it's like, are you sure? Are we totally you don't have sure? have a lot to go off of. Yeah. There's not a lot. Like the rib cage of a monkey probably looks a lot like a rib cage of a human, but okay. All right. Hmm. Anyway, those are all the segments that I brought. Again, you'll notice uh, no news segment. Fuck that noise. Fuck that. Fuck that. So that means it's my turn to podcast? So now it is your turn yes. to, to bring me the segment, which yes. you are very excited to show. Yes. Micah, we are going to saunter on over and unlock the gate to Stevie's Playground. Stevie, Stevie, Stevie's Playground. I'm so excited. So, our mother is a devout Christian woman. Yes. But she, but she is a big fan of what she calls her fairy tale novels. Her romance novels. Her romance novels, got you. The Christian romance novels, mm -hmm. where the main plot is almost always... This lady goes and grows up and moves to the city, mm -hmm. ends up coming back to her small hometown mm -hmm. after being years of unlucky in love, and meets some conservative guy who's usually like a cowboy or mm -hmm. a construction worker mm -hmm. or... Listen. Listen. Listening. I had to do some real research in order to get down to the bottom of this whole thing. I texted our sister who, who lives with our mother... Can you please send me photos of our mother's bookshelves full of romance novels, preferably with the titles visible? I need to do some research. And mom was very excited uh, for me to look into these, apparently. Just tickled. And mom texted saying about Harlequins. She said, if you get to 1976, you have to start being careful or you will have a trashy one in the Harlequins. If you get to 77, they're probably just like a Barbara Cartland for trashiness, whatever that means. Unnamed Aunt has a huge collection of all the latest bodice rippers. Mom does not fuck with bodice rippers because those are very scandalous. Mom doesn't fuck with sex in general, to be honest. Yes. I'm surprised she has as many kids as she has. Agreed. 
So I said, well, I mean, Harlequin, Harlequin's website advertises these novels as being very emotional and not sexual. So they are doing false advertising otherwise. And mom said some of the old ones are very emotional, but they're not sexual. Their new ones could steam lobster without any water added, which is the funniest shit I've ever heard. Um, so <laughs> for the, the, the uninitiated listener. Harlequin Enterprises, ULC, is a romance and women's fiction publisher founded in Winnipeg, Canada in 1949. From the 1960s, it grew into the largest publisher of romance fiction in the world. Um, According to writeforharlequin.com, Harlequin romances are romantic, uplifting, couple-focused stories that invite readers to get swept away to glamorous destinations all over the world and experience all the intensity, emotion, and sparkle of falling in love. The sensuality level is low, the bedroom door stays shut, but the emotion is high. So what we're going to do together, Micah, I have compiled synopses of various Harlequin romance novels that our mother has on her bookshelf. But in every round, there's a fake. You must identify the one that I have written. Gotcha. (laughs) Also, there is one particular author who pretty, pretty much dominates her bookshelves named Betty Neal's. Okay. And Miss Betty Neals was born in 1909. Jesus. She died in 2001. So she lived that a long... That is a hell of a long run. Long and varied life. Miss um, Betty Neals trained and worked as a nurse and a midwife. And upon retirement, she started her writing career. And over a 30-year period, she wrote over 130 romance novels. Uh, and Just her millions those fuckers out. Yeah. Yeah, right and left. Um, her milli- She has millions of fans around the world, and to them, she epitomized romance. She was always amazed and touched that her books were so widely appreciated. She never sought plaudits and remained a very private person, but it made her very happy to know she brought such pleasure to so many readers, while herself gaining a quiet joy from spinning her stories. It's perhaps a reflection of her upbringing in an earlier time that the men and women who peopled her stories have kindliness and good manners, coupled to honesty and integrity, that is not always present in our modern world. Again, she was born in 1909 which you know what that means she started writing these in like the 50s and 60s nothing but white people in these stories tons of white people on these covers so many fucking white people. nothing but white people holy shit so many white people um her myriad of fans found a warmth and a reassurance of a better world in her stories along with characters who touch the heart which is all and more than one could ask of a romance writer so again you're going to be given three titles and synopses and you're going to have to figure out which one is bullshit? All of these are taken directly from Miss Betty Neal's, aside from, you know, my editions. Gotcha. Round one. First title, Tangled Autumn. Saf- Fuck, this name is already difficult. Safa Devonish jumped at the chance of a job in Scotland when her romance with Andrew went wrong. The change in scenery, not to mention the presence of an attractive Dutch doctor, did take her mind off her heartbreak. But then Andrew came back, and Safa was entangled in the past once more. Option two. An unforgettable proposal. Dr. Jane Morgan finds herself swept off her feet by the charming Dr. David Ambrose when they meet at a medical conference in Amsterdam. The two doctors embark on a whirlwind romance, but when a misunderstanding threatens to tear them apart, Jane must decide if she is willing to take a chance on love and accept David's unforgettable proposal. Option three. Cassandra by chance. He needed her as a nurse, not a woman. Benedict Van Manfeld was one of the surliest, most unfriendly men Cassandra had Manfeld, ever met. Manfeld, you say? Benedict Van Manfeld. 
was one of the surliest, most unfriendly men Cassandra had ever met. But when she learned he was a brilliant Dutch surgeon who had severely damaged his sight in an accident, her attitude changed. Benedict asked Cassandra to go to Holland with him as his nurse. She agreed and soon began to feel something deeper than sympathy for him. But with his close friend Paula nearby, why should he even notice Cassandra? What's with all these Dutch doctors and whatnot? Well, you forget, Betty Neal's worked as a nurse and midwife in England. She okay. was married to a doctor, but insisted that all of these fucking doctors and surgeons were not based on her husband, but all of the wonderful doctors she met while working as a nurse and midwife. Gotcha. So which one's the fake, Micah? Read me their titles again. Tangled Autumn, An Unforgettable Proposal, and Cassandra by Chance. First one has an attractive Dutch doctor. Second one has two doctors meeting at a medical conference in Amsterdam. And the third one has a brilliant Dutch surgeon. There's a lot of Dutch. Yeah, they're all Dutch. (laughs) There's a lot of Dutch. They're all fucking Dutch. They're all fucking Dutch. Which, no no offense to any of our Dutch listeners, I, I actually don't know if we have any. Actually, hold on, let me check. I'm looking at our insights. The Dutch come up a lot. On Spotify. Or not Spotify, on SoundCloud. Okay, there's nothing there. All right, I'm going to I'm going to Spotify now. We do actually have a lot of listeners from the Netherlands. This is exciting. So apparently y'all put out a bunch of doctors. At least you did in the 1900s. At least then, yes. So I'm going to go with... Uh, which one had Manfeld... Benedict Van Manfeld. That was Cassandra by chance. I'm calling bullshit on that one. Wrong. Oh. Benedict Van Manfeld is a creation of Miss Betty Neal's. The one that is, that is uh, the fake is an unforgettable proposal where the two doctors meet at a medical conference. Gotcha. Untrue. Untrue. Better luck next time. Okay. Round two. A nurse's confession. Nurse Sarah Brown works alongside the imposing Dr. Stephen Thorne at a busy London hospital. Change of scenery. A series of challenging medical cases forces them to put aside their differences and work together as a team. As they navigate the complexities of patient care, Sarah begins to see a different side of Stephen and realizes that perhaps there's more to him than meets the eye. Will their newfound respect for each other turn into something more as they both come to terms with their feelings? Option two. Hilltop Tryst. When Beatrice's world turned upside down, Oliver Latimer was on hand to pick up the pieces. There was something solid and reassuring about Oliver. Beatrice felt safe with him, but he wasn't an easy person to get to know. Accompanying him on a lecture tour to Europe convinced Beatrice that there was more to Dr. Latimer than she'd imagined. They're all doctors. They're all doctors. In fact, she came to believe he was the only man she could truly love, but Oliver kept his feelings hidden. What did he really think of her? You know, these are giving, like, some really unrealistic expectations to young girls that there are going to be Dutch doctors everywhere. Right and left. to sweep them off their feet. Right and fucking left. Third option, a winter love story. Claudia Ramsey first met Mr. Thomas Tate Bullen, hyphenated, when he was asked to discuss the health of her great uncle, Colonel Ramsey. Claudia wasn't at all sure what she thought of the eminent surgeon, and she was astonished when, after the colonel's death, Thomas unexpectedly proposed. Claudia longed to accept, but was friendship alone a strong enough basis for marriage? It took a delightful Christmas with Thomas's family for Claudia to realize she loved her new husband. Now she had to find a way to persuade Thomas to love her. So again, a nurse's confession, hilltop tryst, and a winter love story. 
All right, I'm gonna call bullshit on a winter love story. Wrong. Mr. Thomas Tate Bullen is a creation of Betty Neal's. <laughs> the fake, a nurse's confession. This just shows you how good I am at this. The nurse Sarah Brown working alongside the imposing Dr. Stephen Thorne in a busy London hospital is bullshit. Okay, gotcha. I am. I, listen, I'm pretty fucking good at this. Well, look, I don't. I don't mean to disparage your abilities. Thank you. But also, all of them sound the same. <laughs> all of them are doctors. <laughs> Most of them are Dutch. Apparently, you can use names like Manfeld, Dr. Stephen Manspread, and Dr. Dr. Manspread. Mr. Thomas Tate Bullen. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Round three. Change of scenery. Again. Magic in Vienna. Starts with a quote. A rather dull girl with no looks to speak of. Dr. Charles Tracombe's opinion of his niece's governess was far from complimentary. Cordelia knew she was plain. She also knew what good manners were, and the high and mighty doctor didn't have any. But there was magic in Vienna that could transform even the most unlikely people. Much to her dismay, Cordelia fell in love with him anyway, and Charles soon discovered that quiet and unassuming ways had a knack for stealing a man's heart without him even noticing it. Option two, her so guardian hold on, angel. hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. So she's quiet and subservient, and that's enough for him. Uh, yeah. Her quiet and unassuming ways had a knack for stealing a man's heart without him even realizing it. Yeah. 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 That, that's yeah. great, Charles. That's awesome, Charles. That's great. Seriously. Option two, her guardian angel. British nurse Lucy meets the mysterious Dutch doctor, Eric Van Dyck, who becomes her mentor during her temporary assignment in Amsterdam. As Eric helps Lucy navigate her new surroundings and career challenges, their professional relationship blossoms into a deep bond. But secrets from Eric's past threaten to unravel their growing romance, forcing them to confront their feelings and decide if they're willing to take a leap of faith to be together. Option three, a Christmas wish. For Olivia Harding, the offer of employment at a small private school came as something of a godsend. With no qualifications, she hadn't expected to find a job so easily, let alone one that still brought her into contact with the eminent surgeon, Hasso van der Eisler. Okay, what? Say that name again? Hasso van der Eisler. Gotcha. Olivia always looked forward to Hasso's visits, even though she knew he came mainly to see his goddaughter, Nell. The idea that Hasso should marry the child's glamorous mother seemed obvious to all, but Olivia's stubborn heart told her otherwise. So again, we have Magic in Vienna, her guardian angel, and a Christmas wish. So it's Dr. Charles Tracombs, Dutch doctor Eric Van Dyck, and the eminent surgeon... Hasso van der Eisler. There's a lot of vans in here. There's a lot of vans. Uh, I'm calling bullshit on the first one. On the first one? Magic in Vienna? Magic in Vienna. I'm calling bullshit on that. Why? It sounds like the woman has too much agency. Wrong. Bah! No, no, no. You, uh, uh, the Magic in Vienna was the one where the woman was subservient, and that's what got him to oh, fall for her. Oh, no, that's right. That's right. Sorry, her guardian angel, British nurse Lucy meets a mysterious Dutch doctor, Eric Van Dyck. That's the that's that's the fake one. I'm sorry. You know, I should have known because Van Dyck sounds sounds like a decent name. Like a normal <laughs> fucking name. Like a name somebody would actually have. Instead of it being something like Theodore von Mantitz. Yeah, I'm really stuck on Benedict Benedict von Manfeld. That's crazy. Round four. Always and forever. When Dr. <laughs> 
fuck? Every time I say doctor, like, it's a stupid fucking series. Oh my god. Always and forever. When Dr. Oliver Ford, F-F-O-R-D-E, that's important to me that you know how it's spelled, unexpectedly arrives at Amabel's, get A-M as in Mary, A-B-E-L, Amabel's guest house during a winter storm, he makes a lasting impression. Of course, Amabel doesn't expect to see him again. Yet every time she finds herself in a sticky situation, Oliver reappears. Trying to be an independent woman is proving difficult with such a chivalrous and charming man on hand. In fact, Amabel can't help but wonder if their loving friendship could become something more. Option two, an old-fashioned girl. Whatever the fuck that means. Patience knew she couldn't be more different from the sort of women Dutch surgeon Julius Vanderbeek seemed to attract. Another Dutch At- surgeon. Mm-hmm. After all, she was a quiet country girl with a somewhat unique taste in clothes and an assertive personality to match. Yet she was attracted to him. Not that she had any hope of him noticing her, particularly with the glamorous Sylvia Van Tool already at his side. Option three, building blocks. I've hardly heard him say two words to anyone else. What a strange man. In a quaint German village, shy bookstore owner, change of career path, beautiful. Quaint German village, shy bookstore owner Alice unexpectedly crosses paths with brooding architect Adam, who is in town to oversee the restoration of the village church. Despite their differences in personality and background, sparks fly between them as they navigate misunderstandings and meddling villagers. Can Alice open her heart to love and make Adam see the beauty of falling in love with someone unexpected? This charming tale of love and second chances will warm your heart and leave you believing in happily ever afters. I'm calling bullshit on the third one because he's not a doctor. Well done, good cat. (laughs) (laughs) He's not a fucking doctor. It's not. No. I didn't want them to be too repetitive, but it turns out that's the tell, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, always and forever. And an also, you gave him the name Adam, just like a normal name. You didn't give him some weird fucking... I should have added a van or a Vaughn. My bad. Super on me. Round five. A winter wedding. Nurse Millie finds herself caring for handsome Dutch doctor Roward Van Kempler in a picturesque English village. As they work together to save the local clinic from closure, Millie discovers a deep connection with Roward. Will they overcome their differences and find love in the winter wonderland of their small town? Option two, a valentine for Daisy. Arrogant, overbearing, and dictatorial. What was there to like about brilliant pediatrician Dr. Valentine Seymour? Not much, Daisy Pelham had to admit. Yet his small patient seemed to adore him. Daisy was mystified. She could only think that perhaps there was another side to him, one that he didn't want her to see. Option three. The fortunes of Francesca. All problems had an answer. But marriage? Francesca was naturally optimistic, and she needed to be. She cut her nursing instructions short in order to look after the elderly aunt who had so kindly opened her home to Franny and her brother. Financial difficulties led Franny to apply for a job as Lady Trumper's assistant, but Franny's outspoken manner clearly didn't please her. It was only through her godson, Mark, that Franny was able to get the job. Mark always seemed to be on hand after that. A winter wedding... A Valentine for Daisy, or The Fortunes of Francesca. I'm calling bullshit on the third one. Wrong. God damn it. Franny, it was the second one, wasn't it? No. 
The first one, I got you with the Dutch doctor, bitch. I put a Dutch doctor in there and you bought it. <laughs> Hook, line, and sinker. Roward Van Kempler is a creation of my own. <laughs> See, that's a good name. That's a, that's a good name for, for aping this style. Like, like I, 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 I didn't get it. Yeah. A nurse and doctor romance is all I need to pretend to be Miss Betty Deals. Seriously. I'm surprised she branched out to a random guy who just hangs around to help. Yeah, honestly, same. Fortunes of Francesca was a real departure. Although I'm not sure if Daisy was a nurse for the pediatrician, Dr. Valentine Seymour. I'm unclear on Daisy's position in proximity to the pediatrician. Not a surgeon, though. <laughs> well, also, the name Valentine, whatever, Seymour, sounded too normal. So that's why I thought it might be also be a fake. Unfortunately, they just wanted to use the title of Valentine for Daisy, so they named the guy Valentine. Stupid. <laughs> so dumb. And our final round, an apple from Eve. Considering that she didn't really like him very much, Dr. Tane Ban Dieter... Jesus. Tane Ban Dieter... An apple... Dietrich? No, D-I-E-D-E-R-I-J-K. Huh. Dietrich. Dietrich. An apple from Eve. Considering that she didn't really like him very much, Dr. Tane Ban Dietrich did seem to crop up in Euphemia's life rather a lot. Perhaps she was being a bit unfair to him. She hadn't wanted to let her family... She hadn't wanted to let her family home to anyone, so she was bound to be prejudiced about him living there instead of her. But then he asked her to go to Spain to act as companion to his fiancée, Diana, and Euphemia's dislike grew. How could the doctor be so stupid as to see anything in such a spiteful girl as Diana, let alone want to marry her? If only she could see the back of both of them. Option two, a summer idyll. When Dr. George Pritchard asked Phoebe to marry him, she hadn't needed much persuading. The recent death of her aunt had left her penniless and without a job. Besides, she did like him. So what if he'd made it plain that he wasn't in love with her? At least she knew where she stood. It wasn't until after the wedding that she began to wonder if liking was going to be enough. And option three, tulip season. Caroline, a dedicated librarian in the picturesque Holland countryside, unexpectedly crosses paths with the wealthy and charming Dr. Thomas. As they navigate their burgeoning romance amid un misunderstandings and familial disapproval, they must confront past heartbreaks to find lasting happiness. With the backdrop of blooming tulips and quaint cottages, their love story blossoms into a timeless tale of overcoming obstacles and finding true love. Okay, that third one, because you only gave, like, you only had one name. Ooh, you're good. Well done. Yeah. Good catch. You're right. It shouldn't have just been Thomas. It should have been Thomas Vander Wienerhead or something. Exactly. I'll get you next time. I'll get you next time with Thomas Vander Wienerhead. So I think you got... I got like two. two. Three. I think you got two out of six. Got, yeah, not great. That's okay. Maybe next time. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> there, it's hard to find a Betty Neils novel that does not star an eminent surgeon particularly of the Dutch variety. They use the phrase eminent surgeon in these synopses a lot. I had to do a lot of weeding through. Gotcha. Yeah, no, that, 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 yeah. And every single of the real Betty Neal novels are ones from our mother's bookshelf. Not surprised. Yeah. It's a lot of Dutch surgeons. <laughs> so many fucking Dutch surgeons. You know, it, it's placing an unrealistic expectation on the likelihood of running into a Dutch surgeon in the wild. Much like how, like, when I was younger, 
I thought quicksand was going to be more of a thing. Oh, yeah. They really made it seem like it was going to be a big issue. And I was like, okay, you can't wiggle around because that's how it'll fucking kill you. That's how it'll fucking get you. I'll probably do it anyway, though. I was prepared to just die to quicksand if I ever encountered it. Figured it'd be a little bit too quick. Turns out it's not even that quick. And here's the, here's the thing. You know what you're more likely to die from than quicksand? Probably a plane crash. A vending machine. What? Having a vending machine fall on you <laughs> is a more likely way to die than quicksand. That's comforting, because I don't know anybody who's died a vending machine. Well, some people, like, rock the vending machine to try to get shit out of it for free, and then it, like, tips oh. over on them. And... Oh. Damn, getting crushed by a vending machine. That's crazy. Yeah. I feel like I found a, a, a like recently buried hole in Stevie's playground and I unearthed it and it was just full of Harlequin romances and I'm like okay gotta figure out what to do with these fuckers <laughs> right <laughs> so I want to meander are you okay with meandering I am fine with meandering we can meander I want to meander on over to quiz takers you've already seen the title of the quiz I'm subjecting you to which is very exciting because I have been itching to do this one don't care because we're the quiz takers don't get it twisted because we're the quiz takers don't get it twisted because we're the quiz takers you got it twisted because we're the quiz takers it's such a good quiz I, I i had forgotten that i had this one in my back pocket for quite a while the title of the- <laughs> The title of this U quiz is Which of the CIA's 638 failed attempts to kill Fidel Castro are you? The quiz introduction says they were just absolutely obsessed with getting rid of Castro. I don't know of any senior officer I talked to who felt, aside from the pressure of the Kennedys, that Castro had to go. Me and my buddies kept asking over and over again, why are we doing this? We're not getting anywhere. And this is uh, apparently a quote from CIA executive assistant Samuel Halpern. Yes, these are all real things that actually happened. And this is by Yuka's user, False Detective. Question number one. If you were the president of the United States in the late 20th century, what would your policy be on Cuba? I would simply not fuck with them. Economic sanctions. Invade that motherfucker. Sprinkle tallium salt on Castro's shoes to make his iconic beard fall out. Checkmate. Nukes? Can we do nukes? Or forget Cuba. I've got coke to traffic in Nicaragua. Oh, boy. That last one is very much uh, Reagan. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go with, I would simply not fuck with them. Wise. Pick one. Gaslight, gatekeep, or girl boss? Obviously girl boss. Duh. Question number three. Favorite flavor of toxically masculine movie? Spy, gangster, martial arts, western, war, or buddy cop? This is a tough one. I feel that you like a lot of these. I am torn between gangster and martial arts, but I'm going to pick martial arts. I could feel that. I could feel that coming. Question number four. Where were you when JFK was assassinated? On the grassy knoll, motherfucker. I was in the backyard playing catch with my kids. A beautiful, idyllic day in these great United States, shattered by the news of horrific violence against our beloved president. In the second floor advertising offices of the Dallas Morning News, placing advertisements for my nightclubs. I was in my office. I heard the news over the radio. I excused myself to weep. I want a lawyer. Or meeting with a Cuban asset in a hotel room in Paris, passing along a ballpoint pen rigged to inject poison into the meaty communist fingers of Fidel Castro. I was meeting with a Cuban asset in a hotel room in Paris, passing along a ballpoint pen rigged to inject poison into the meaty communist fingers of Fidel Castro. Which is, which is 
Wow. What a move. <laughs> what a fucking move. One of my favorite stories about them trying to, like, get Fidel Castro was they sent, like, a female agent, a lady agent, mm-hmm. to honeypot him. But she defected. Because <gasps> she liked him so much? Yeah. Good for because her. Because he was just that fucking charming. <laughs> Good for her. She was like, guys, I know what I came here to do. Dick game is crazy over here, though. <laughs> Good for fucking her. Question number five. Choose a non-Castro-related act of Cold War-era buffoonery by U.S. intelligence services. Hiring psychics to help solve the Iran hostage crisis. Hiring psychics to tell us what's happening on Jupiter. Pushing abstract expressionism as a cultural weapon. Teaming up with drug cartels to smuggle arms into Nicaragua. Smuggling Nazi war criminals out of Germany to work at NASA. Or giving weapons to the Taliban. They were really busy. Pushing abstract expressionism as a cultural weapon, which is why Jackson Pollock got CIA money. Really? Yes. Really? Yes. That is fascinating. He was just splattering paint and having a good time. Yeah. A cultural weapon. Thoughts on the musical Evita? Fucking nuts that that's the thing that exists, right? good music but i don't know why they had to go and cast madonna in the movie if i don't if i hear don't cry for me argentina one more time andrew lloyd weber is gonna regret it uh fucking nuts that that's a thing that exists right yeah question seven is justin trudeau fidel castro's son yes no or unsure no no that's one of the funniest most nonsensical conspiracies ever Question number eight. Are you now or have you ever been a member of the Communist Party? Yes. Absolutely not. And I dare you to try and prove otherwise. You hear that. I dare you. I will not answer that question, Mr. Chairman. I would never. Leninism is a betrayal of true Marxism. I mean, who's asking? I could be. No, but 10 of my friends are. And here are their names. Obviously, I would never because Leninism is a betrayal of true Marxism. And your result is... Recruiting his mistress to poison him. He was chewing a cigar and he laid down on the bed and said, Did you come here to kill me? Then he leaned over, pulled out his forty-five, and handed it to me. I flipped the chamber out and hit it back. He didn't even flinch. And he said, You can't kill me. Nobody can kill me. From Marita Lorenz. Bitch. What a fucking baddie. That is yeah. What a fucking bad pulled out his forty-five and handed it to her. And he was like, pull the trigger. Go ahead. What? Amazing. Like you said, really good dick game. Amazing. The other results... Oh, Poison Milkshake was the top result. Um, you got the second most common one. Exploding Seashell was the result that I got, which is where they, they knew that he liked to go like diving and stuff, and so they painted a seashell to look really cool and shiny and pretty in the hopes that it would attract him and explode on him. Uh, next option, flesh-eating bacteria in scuba suit. Uh, next result, exploding cigar. Final one, mafia hit. Boring. Standard. The exploding cigar is such a Looney Tunes ass. Oh my god! Like, yeah. How were they so bad at it that 631 attempts failed? 638. 38. That's buck wild. That is so many fucking attempts. They're just not good at it because, again, if you look at the history of. The CIA and the Dulles brothers and whatnot, they were throwing, like, whatever at the wall, hoping it would stick because they were that desperate to fight against communism. 
because communism honestly was winning for much of the 20th century. Good point. And if it weren't for the fact that, like, Stalinism fucked them up so bad. Yeah. No, good point. Like, they would have been fine. The part about, oh, fuck, there was a part that I was thinking about from a different question. Shit. Oh, using psychics to find out what was going on on Jupiter? Yeah. What was up with that? (laughs) Uh, They started using psychics during the Cold War because somebody told someone at the CIA that the Russians were using psychics to harm Americans with mind powers, <laughs> and we couldn't allow there to be a psychic gap. So we had to train our own psychics oh my God. to do things like use their mind powers to run through walls. And I'm sure that worked out great. There's actually a movie about it called The Men Who Stare at Goats. At goats? Yeah. Oh, I because guess they tried to explode would... them with their mind or something. Yes. Wow. That's like in Stranger Things. It's where Stranger Things got the idea. Yeah, that tracks. Uh, MK Ultra, yeah, that was real. They admitted it, and nothing happened. What? What? America's not the good guys. We're never no. the good guys. No. It's like cartoon villain shit. Even in World War II, when we were supposed to be the good guys, we still shuttled out a lot of Nazis in Operation Paperclip. A lot of them. And we nuked the, we nuked the Japanese, even though they were about to surrender. Yeah, fully. Yeah. So again, America, never the good guys. Yeah. Interesting that they took a great interest in the white war criminals, though. I'm sure it's unrelated. Mm Mm-hmm. Which reminds me, Evita, the whole don't cry for me Argentina, if I remember correctly, the plot uh, is about uh, the main character, Evita, being in love with a Nazi war criminal. That sucks. In Argentina, because that's where a lot of them fled to. Evita, mm, of course Andrew Lloyd fucking Weber wrote that. And then he went on to do Bad Cinderella, which was such a bad flop. God, what a funny musical. Do you know anything about Bad Cinderella? No, Stevie, because I'm cool and I go outside and touch grass. Oh, it's so bad. It's so good. (laughs) It's so good. They tried really hard to do, like, girl boss feminism shit um, Mm. by making, like, the, the kingdom's prince, like, turn out to be gay Long story short, not long story short. Okay, everybody's really mad at Cinderella because she defaces, like, uh, uh, the gay thing is a twist. She defaces a statue that was made for the kingdom's, like, lost prince or whatever because everyone thought he was probably dead or something. And she put, like, a, a bra or, like, spray paint or something on it. And then she's friends with the prince's little brother who's supposed to be the real prince now and he's supposed to get married or whatever. Um, But he doesn't want to be the prince. And then in the end, his older brother comes home. Turns out he's alive. He's just gay. And they're like, yay, he can be the prince. And he has a boyfriend or whatever. That's so awesome. But the problem is that in hindsight, that makes it look like Cinderella was just really fucking homophobic (laughs) by defacing the monument. Also, that's not how monarchy works. No. You can't have a gay monarch because the point is to, like, have Pass their down bloodline. the genes. Yeah. 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 But Andrew Lloyd Webber wanted to do some weird neo-lib shit. Um, and also, like, everybody in the fucking kingdom is, like, really vapid. And all they care about is, like, being beautiful and, like, fashion and stuff. But instead, it kind of comes off as, like... It comes off as, like, weirdly misogynistic in how it portrays its female characters in terms of, like, ah, 
Cinderella doesn't care about her looks, and that's why she's the only decent person. But she's, like, horrible. <laughs> she's, like, the worst person ever. She is insufferable, and it's very bad. And originally, the musical was just called Cinderella, and then everybody was like, this is a pretty bad Cinderella. And he was like, bet. And he renamed it. Bad Cinderella. It sucks ass. <laughs> I know to never watch it now. Yeah. He probably should have just stuck with the residuals from um, Phantom of the Opera. I mean, he could live up. I think he could live off of those for the rest of his life. He could. Yeah. Also, they like fired everybody in the Cinderella cast without telling them. Most of them found out via social media. What? It was bad. It was a huge kerfuffle. He was also really upset that there were code restrictions on theater. Code restrictions? Like, how do you mean? Like, half capacity theaters. Whenever stuff finally opened back up, or the fact that the theaters were closed at all, he was pretty upset about it because it was affecting his musicals like performance at the box office bad news andrew people didn't want to go see your shitty musical anyway sorry he was mad about covid he was mad about covid restrictions he was mad about people trying to be safe about it huh does not improve my opinion of him it shouldn't he's weird yeah yeah there's a bit so in I- unbreakable kimmy schmidt where they literally just refer to him as andrew lolo baloney and have an entire episode about cats the musical and um one of the main characters literally just dresses up in a cat costume and joins into the performance. And all of the cast is like, bitch, this is crazy. You've unlocked the secret of cats. This is how new cast members are added to the show. They just feel the movement of cats through their spirit or whatever and just join in. But you can't tell anybody that that's how it works. And then and then he tells somebody and they join in and the cast finds out and they kick Titus out of the cast because they were like, you broke the first rule of cats. <laughs> gotcha. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt is a weird show too. I've don't bother. Don't bother. Okay, what? You wanted in. Yeah, when I wants out. No, he actually wanted to get pet, which is really cute. Aw. That is cute. Very cute. We did a good long episode for having no news segments. Yeah, we did fill it out for having no news again, if you enjoy this uh format that doesn't have any news segments, go to the Patreon. Give us $3 per month, you get as many episodes as we have free episodes, so twice as much content, or if you pay us $10 per month, we'll read your name at the end of the episode. For instance, our $10 patrons are Gwen M., Louis Meekle, P. Wilbo, Althea Petricor, and Cassidy Johnson. Let's fucking go! Woo! Thanks, friends! We're pretty much at the end of the episode, so Stevie, where can people find you? You can find all my stuff at stevieb.com. That's steviebea.com. Um, we have links to pretty much all of our gender swap shit there, too, including the Tumblr, which is where you can submit daily questions or quizzes if you're interested. Um, also, we have a merch shop where you can buy stickers with our podcast logo on it and rep the brand, which is very, very cool. Um, let me think. Oh, I've also been streaming on Twitch here and there. Last time I streamed Spore, and it was fucking awesome. It was great. Turns out Spore is a really good bad game. So I had a really nice time last time. So go follow me over on Twitch, Stevie underscore B. Micah, where can the people find ya? The good people can find my music at mxmaxwell1.bandcamp.com. Yay! So go listen to my music there. Uh, again, not sure how for how much longer. Everything is kind of funky right now. We'll see. We shall see. 
I'm also going to, uh, I, like, I'm honestly debating moving all my music over to Spotify. Do it. It's way easier for it to get discovered that way. It's, it's, yeah. it is a lot easier. Spotify doesn't pay shit, but it's still more discoverable, I would say. Yeah, it's just... Yeah. It sucks that my chosen career hasn't really garnered me any money, yeah. and my student loan debt is still through the roof. Sucks ass. It really does suck ass. Yeah. Meanwhile, you know what? I, I learned how to do like studio production and stuff. Yeah. In college. Yeah. And the most use I get out of it is editing this podcast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this podcast, by the way, has made me more money than my music. God damn, for real? And I've been doing the music for way the fuck longer. Damn. Yeah, I'm sorry. That blows. Yeah, it's a bit depressing. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> uh, I guess there's uh, nothing left to say ending on that really depressing <laughs> note. And uh, bye. Bye.